How y'all doing? Um, so we're gonna start this out with a little reading of something that I wrote as a little inspirational, little spark, right, to get us ready for a great episode. So it is titled, and this is a subheading to a bigger piece titled "To the People of the United States," but that's gonna be a while before I finish that. But excuse me. So the subtitle: What must change? This answer can only be derived from a concrete study of concrete conditions, which I will now try to present to the best of my current abilities. The United States has many contradictory forces at play, so where must we begin? We know from the last few years of general and spontaneous uprisings and demonstrations that the people are sick of persecution and exploitation although they might not currently refer to it as such. We are tired of being overworked, underpaid, and undervalued. We are sick of being poor, homeless, hungry, and sick. With no protections against the sufferings of forced poverty, the people are left with bootstraps, if we're so lucky. The masses of non-white people, LGBTQ plus people, feminine and non-binary folks, indigenous folks, and other minorities are slowly recognizing that they are becoming the majority. With white supremacy on the defense, hordes of its most loyal patriots, the police, the military, hate groups, and other reactionaries are fighting with everything they have, including, but not limited to, their guns. These oppressors are, however, no match for the combined masses of the oppressed, but then we must unite. The first thing we must change if we hope to continue our struggle as the oppressed masses is our relations with one another. The racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and other settler mentalities are a direct result of our history. But what do you and I learn of this history? Nothing but lies. This is why nothing changes. But the people are too waking up to this truth. And as many of us must know, the truth is our guiding weapon and the only chance we have of achieving the goals of the angry, exploited masses. Our relations to one another, then, in that case, must be based on truths, not stigmas. Stereotypes or other false preconceived notions about one another must be tossed aside. As someone once said, no investigation, no right to speak. Before we can make judgments, we must first interact with one another, share a meal, exchange stories and ideas, and ultimately learn the truth about one another. This is the only way which anything can change at all. So, yeah, that's a little draft of something I'm trying to work on, so I hope you enjoyed that. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to that, and now into the introduction for the episode. Bye! Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement. (coughs) Excuse me. And hopefully one day, a true proletarian revolution. If this is your first time stopping by, just know that this is a bonus episode. Um, I want to take a moment to talk about some things real quick that are on my mind. Um, And it's not really connected to anything in particular. So I guess it's going to be just like any one of my episodes. But in this one, I am smoking, so... That's what makes it bonus. I'm also drinking water right now. Ready? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about fascism. Um, Fascism is something that many in the United States do not understand, or I should say the West. Many in the West do not understand properly. And if we do not understand fascism properly, we cannot properly analyze it. We cannot properly conclude on how to deal with it. And we cannot properly educate people about it. So we got to learn about fascism. Um, So 
right off the top, we're going to hand out some good resources. So if you want to learn more about fascism, you can go to a YouTube channel called Socialism for All. Just in general, go ahead and hit subscribe on this person's channel because they post great content all the time. Uh, mostly audiobooks, but a lot of other things as well. So here's here's a few things I want to show you. So if you scroll over to videos and just start scrolling down, um, there's a few really important pieces right off the top we want to read. So the first one is The Resolution on Fascism by Clara Zetkin. The second one is The Struggle Against Fascism by Clara Zetkin. The third one is The Two Fascisms by Antonio Gramsci. The third one is, just in general, Fascism by Clara Zetkin. And then let me scroll down because there's a few more. Uh, it might be in a playlist, so I'm going to try to check his pre-created playlist. Aha! Okay, so there is actually... So scratch what I just said, because this will make it easier. If you go to his playlists, there's a playlist called Understanding Fascism and Right-Wing Social Political Movements. Listen to all of those, because great resources, genuinely great resources, not only the audiobooks, but the discussions which he shares, and then also other videos which he posts. Um, and, you know, really digest that, really take that in for everything that it is, because I truly believe that right now, where we stand in the United States, where we stand in the historical development of the world, if we are not paying attention to learning about and trying to educate people about fascism, then we are in some deep shit because right around the corner is outright fascism. What we have right now is the beginnings of an active fascist um, struggle within the United States. But we're going to talk about fascism in all its forms. So I'm going to try to do my best um, to discuss this. Now, I should stay, say off the top that just like anyone else, I am a learner. I am not an expert. I am certainly not a theorist. I am a Marxist, ultimately. I am someone who tries to digest new information for the sake of being able to regurgitate it to others because I think it's important to talk about these things. So I'm going to do my best to try to talk about fascism. Another great resource. I can't remember what channel it is, um, but it's a podcast. I believe if you search George Jackson's analysis of fascism, there is an episode of whatever podcast it is with Kevin Rashid Johnson. Uh, Black Panther, who's been in uh, prison for quite some time, who's actually currently under a lot of um, dealing with a lot of problems. They keep um, shifting him around. So he's been dealing with a lot of problems for continuing to speak out, for continuing to politically educate people, for continuing to try to organize while being within prison. So just, you know, know about Kevin Rashid Johnson, learn about him listen to his discussion, write a letter to him, write a letter to uh, whoever you can in your area, in his area, wherever he resides currently, about releasing him um, and freeing all political prisoners. And it's funny we should talk about freeing political prisoners because, you know, political prisoners, these kinds of, uh, um, you know, scary times are among us. After what happened last year, 2020, all the mass movements, uh, which all kind of fell under the name of um, Black Lives Matter, um, although this was not always the group that was behind the organizing of these events, but this is, you know, what most people associated with these events. Um, and after this past summer, it should be incredibly 
incredibly easy for any one of us to spot fascism because we all watched it live on TV. We watch it every few days live on another, you know, Facebook Live or a Snapchat video or a recording of a young black man or woman or a young trans uh, person, a young indigenous person being brutalized, being killed, um, being arrested for, you know, just existing in the space where there was a a police officer who felt it was time for them to exhibit their authority. Um, this This is a key characteristic to a fascistic rule. So let's start with some definitions. So there's a lot of ways in which one could define fascism. Um, One of the easiest ways to define fascism, or I should say one of the most one-sided ways to define fascism, is uh, just kind of the Wikipedia definition for fascism. Um, So that is... Uh, let me get that pulled up here, because I do an awful job of doing this shit ahead of time. Okay, so, uh, a political, this is according to Merriam-Webster. So, a political philosophy, movement, or regime, such as that of the fascisti, that exalts nation and often race above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Now, let's see if this wants to pull up. Okay. Hold up. Hold up, because I might have something here. So, this is an article on MrOnline.org, MROnline.org, called Prisoner Profit, Revisiting George Jackson's Analysis of Systematic Fascism, posted in 2018 by Colin Jenkins, uh, also originally published by the Hampton Institute, or excuse me, the Hampton Institute, as in Fred Hampton. Um, Trying to find the quote here, because I could see it in the pull-up of, okay, cool. So this is a quote from George Jackson right here. It says, at its core, fascism is an economic rearrangement. It is international capitalism's response to the challenge of international scientific socialism. It developed from nation to nation out of differing levels of traditionalist capitalism's dilapidation. Um, the common feature of all instances of fascism is the opposition of a weak socialist revolution. When the fascist arrangement begins to emerge in any of the independent nation states, excuse me, gotta get some water here. (coughs) All right. When the fascist arrangement begins to emerge in any of the independent nation states, it does so by default. <clears throat> it is simply an arrangement of an established capitalist economy, an attempt to renew, perpetuate, and legitimize that economy's rulers by circumflexing and weighing down, diffusing a revolutionary consciousness pushing from below. Cash, or excuse me, fascism must be seen as an episodal, Jesus Christ, episodically, there we go, <laughs> fascism must be seen as an episodically logical stage in the socioeconomic development of capitalism in a state of crisis. It is the result of a revolutionary thrust that was weak and miscarried, a consciousness that was compromised. So this is something that, again, is really important to learn about, especially now in the United States. The reason was very clearly put by uh, Comrade George Jackson's analysis of fascism 
where he says it is the reaction to a weak socialist revolution. So fascism in general is a reaction. We hear it often called uh, capitalism in decay, capitalism in defense. Um, And this is because ultimately what fascism is, is an attempt by the ruling class to reinstate their power in a form which until really the uh, Italians uh, led by Mussolini really began to practice it outright. Uh, It's a new form of ruling class society. Fascism takes different forms in different places, but we cannot be so simple in our mind as to say fascism is Nazi Germany or fascism is fascist Italy. Because ultimately, what we are trying to understand when we talk about fascism is not individual proponents, is not individual actors or individual nation states. When we talk about things like capitalism, when we talk about things like fascism, communism, socialism, anarchism, we want to learn to talk about its principles, its foundational laws, because at each one of the bases of these theories, there is not just general ideas which come out of nothingness. They are, as some might call it, concrete studies of concrete conditions. So therefore, they are attempts to correct the concrete conditions which they ultimately disagree with. Um, A lot of these ideas or theories are developed by different forms of critiques. So ultimately, you'll have, you know, for example, critiques of capitalism by different groups. And then if each one of those groups is kind of properly funded or uh, properly founded, you will have groups from within that group. So within the capitalist camp or within the socialist camp or within the communist camp. You're going to have members within those specific groups who are critiquing the general laws and principles put forward by other people. And then, of course, over time, you will have ideas which come out as correct and ideas which come out as incorrect. Only history can really show us this or deep theoretical study, but only this is dependent on, again, concrete studies of current concrete materials. You cannot see the future, therefore you can only study what is right in front of you, what you are actively able to influence. Um, This is what a scientific study can be on. So fascism, again, can look very different in very many different places. But there's a few things which we want to find central to fascism. So comrade George Jackson put it forward quite well. If you read Antonio Gramsci and Clara Zetkin's work, as well as other people's works on fascism, um, there's a few things that are quite very clear. So first and foremost, um, and this is something that we especially now need to be watching out, they co-opt socialist or quote-unquote leftist or worker rhetoric. So a lot of the uh, front lines for the fascist governments, were quite often, um, you know, to some extent, workers themselves. They were socialists, anarchists, etc. They were populists, right? They sought after popular beliefs, which then could garner them the support of the masses, right? This is, of course, the basis of any successful political movement. We know this by looking at history, that anytime you want to establish yourself as a political power, you must first make yourself applicable, or rather, um, you have to make yourself accepted by the masses and supported indefinitely, in opposition to others as well. Uh, By doing this, you know, you do a lot of different things. But if we're talking fascism, we're talking again capitalism and decay, it's giving up a lot of its kind of theater, right? Because what what do we see with what's painted right on the side of police cars? 
protect and serve. That's theater. The badge, the whole playing basketball with some black kids, right? That's all theater. Because ultimately what you and I know is that police officers are armed guards of the state. They are special roving bodies of armed gangs, which are given political and um, legal authority within society to act as they see fit in order to put down what they call problems. So ultimately, this is a fascist regime right here where they completely deny any opposition. You don't get to tell a cop, hey, no, you're wrong, actually. I didn't do anything wrong. That cop has the gun and the badge. It's over for you, right? The police officers are special armed bodies of the state. And we have to know this as well as um, kind of our understanding that fascism is going to co-opt socialist rhetoric because we have to recognize here that what it is trying to do is latch on to what is correct, right? Because socialism, as even the fascists will tell you for a few years, is the logical conclusion as capitalism decays and as capitalism should decay. Socialism is the logical conclusion therein. However, what they do is they mask what socialism and communism are. They mask and ultimately revise Marxism. And I specify Marxism when talking about socialism or communism, because as Marx and Engels proved long before I, uh, there's many utopian socialisms, including the not-socialism of the anarchists, um, which are not representative of the concrete conditions which exist in our material reality. They ignore some pretty uh, incredibly important truths. And this is important to, you know, kind of seek out and destroy because ultimately this too, like fascist rhetoric, will mislead the people and get the people killed. So if we want the people to not be killed or as many of the people to not be killed because people are already being killed today, uh, many in the United States on a day-to-day basis by our fascist state, um, if the people are misled, the peop- more people will die than are already dying. And we don't want that. As socialists, as communists, as anarchists, leftists in general, we don't want people to die. We don't want the people to die. We would prefer no one dies. We, as communists, seek peace, right? However, we seek peace by whatever means necessary. This is the clear distinction. So, anyways, back to fascism. Fascism is going to co-opt the rhetoric of the left, right? Folks like Candace Owens, right now, are posting about the fact that the government is buying huge plots of land, the fact that corporations are buying uh, huge amounts of apartments and other houses, which are, you know, being foreclosed on. And she's saying that this is communism. Now, this is step one to them kind of grabbing onto the left. So first and foremost, they're still grabbing at straws in the populist side. They're still going after conservatives because deep, you know, right right there in the front, right there in the front, there's anti-communism. So they're not so far in, in some cases, in the more popular names, I should say, of the explicitly known right. They're not necessarily going after leftist rhetoric in the same way that uh, we might expect, right? Because concrete material reality would have you know that socialism, again, is very, very necessary. But here's where we slip into even more confusing waters, because Candace Owens is not necessarily a fascist. And Candace Owens is ultimately just a a popular celebrity trait, or (laughs) a popular celebrity person. Um, She's not 
monumental in the left or the right. Uh, she's a popularity, you know, contest. Charlie Kirk, all of them, they're just, they are just default me's who, whose names will cycle and change out in the next five years, just like they were different five years ago. They're just shitheads who have a media presence. That's it. So, also, side note, I think Steven Crowder is going to die, so that's pretty funny. Alrighty, back to it. Um, so, who's going to actually be developing fascism and actually be co-opting the rhetoric of the left are individuals who are probably already involved in the left. And here's here's where this becomes an issue because we see things so incredibly incorrectly. We think that from the day that Adolf Hitler was born, from the day that Benito Mussolini was born, they were like, I am a fascist and I am going to kill people. Benito Mussolini was actually an activist, socialist, uh, and uh, a revolutionary for some period of time. He was quite monumental in the left sphere of Italy. However, as human develop, as, as, excuse me, historical developments occur, human beings make certain choices. <clears throat> certain contradictions are heightened at certain times and others are not. For example... The contradiction between needing to wage a revolutionary action and not needing to do that is incredibly crucial because in a moment's notice, one is a revolutionary and then a coward or vice versa, right? One is a coward and then the revolutionary moment appears and they are a revolutionary. But what we see by many, many failed attempts at building revolutionary movements in Italy, in France, in England, in Germany, in Poland, in all these different, you know, Western countries, the United States, Canada, etc. There exists a situation which does not always exist for other countries, and also is not always present, right? So the opportunities which led Benito Mussolini, Mussolini, Mussolini to become a fascist, that those circumstances, right, were not always present. That's just true, right? If I'm a doctor, 10 years ago, the circumstances might not have been present for me to be a doctor. And therefore, although I ultimately become a doctor, I can't say that, well, I was a doctor back then. Sure, you might be able to turn to some of the works that I did and say, he might, he's going to become a doctor, or there's the seeds of his doctorness right there. We love to do that to philosophy. We love to take Marx's ideas and go way, way back and see Say, Plato was talking about dialectics. Come on now, this shit is not important. We don't got to listen to it. You're misunderstanding here. When conscious fascism came to the fore, Mussolini and many others within Hit, uh, uh, Italy, Hitler and many others within Germany, and many others all over the world took advantage of a moment, took advantage of an, a revolutionary movement and they ultimately bent it, curved it, and turned it in the opposite direction. So let's talk about that really quick. The fascisms which we have seen to this point, which we learn about here in the United States, Germany, and Italy, those fascisms, again, are not necessarily going to be the way in which fascisms of other countries look. And we again have to understand that fascism is not a static definition. It's a fluid and dialectically evolving being. <clears throat> so fascism today will look wholeheartedly different than the fascism of Germany. And so we can't turn at German fascist movement and say, well, the United States movement doesn't look like that, so therefore it's not fascist. With the huge rise in hate groups, 
with the huge rise of all kinds of terrorist actions, right? That's a broad term, but (coughs) dangerous actions committed against innocent bystanders. There's terrorism, right? So, with the rise in these things, with the heightening of the nationalist rhetoric, (coughs) and also, on the opposite side, with the heightening need for socialism, uh, with the heightening of workers' struggles and demonstrations, political, social, and economic unrest, these things are coming to a, a T, right? They are coming to a point of connection. So what is that point of connection? Economic instability. Fascism, again, is often described as capitalism in decay. Well, what does that mean? How does capitalism decay? I thought capitalism was the natural law of things, and so therefore was always going to exist. Well, believe it or not, random libertarian who I'm pretending to be, um, actually, capitalism is not natural. Capitalism is natural, just like the bong I'm smoking out of is natural. Or I should say, rather, capitalism is natural, just like... F-150s are natural. <laughs> it's it's natural only because man created it. And therefore, I mean, it's just as natural as man himself. However, that much is true of any random idea um, that ever came out of somebody's head, right? Capitalism is as natural as Rick and Morty. Random connection, but I think my point is understood, or at least I hope it is. Capitalism is not natural. It is an economic and ultimately also a social uh, development, which is caused by, as is the rest of historical development, uh, the heightening of contradictions, violent revolution, and ultimately a material need for change. So capitalism, right? It's a system of private property. And the private appropriation and ownership of the means of production, as well as profit. So, capitalism is a system which is based on the foundation of what it calls free trade. But free trade, based off of, like, wealth, if you're saying you are free to participate in this system which requires wealth, well, that puts at least 50% of the world's population out of the market, shall we say, um, and incapable of participation. Because what participating in the free market would be, would be making a profit within the free market. Because this is how we have to look at things. We have to look at them in their relations. Within the so-called market, there are owners and there are consumers. The owners own the capital. They own the means of production. So they own the resources. They own what the resources are turned into. They own what uh, processes, transports, and distributes the resources and what they're turned into. They own what turns those pieces and parts into a commodity. They own the store which sells that commodity. They own the people who work in those stores because, you know, this is a way that we understand wages. Get there in a second. They own the commodity and then therefore on top of everything. So from the point of extraction of the resource to the very final selling of the commodity, which it is turned into, the capitalists, the ruling class, the bourgeoisie, the 1%, whatever you want to call them, they are the only ones profiting. While you and I and people like you and I are the ones extracting the resources. We're the one taking the resources and putting them in the truck. We're the ones driving the truck to the plant. We're the ones taking the resources out of the truck and bringing them inside of the plant. We're the ones in the plant my, uh, uh, refining the resources We're the ones who transport the refined resources to the place where they are turned into pieces and parts. We are the ones who turn those into pieces and parts. We are the ones that then transport those 
to be turned into commodities. We're the ones who sell the commodities. We're the ones who have to sell ourselves in order to eat food, to have health care, to be able to afford gas and a house. This is the system which we live in. And if it can be said that it is a free market, it is only free to those who have any capital to participate in the market anyways. Anyways, I should say. So, real quick, we sell ourselves. They own us. What? What? That's that's kind of trying to say that slavery is equal to what we're having now, and that's insensitive. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't say that. So what I am saying is, unlike a slave, we do not sell ourselves for life. Especially not in New York, which is a right-to-work state, because they will fire you for anything. But... Under capitalism, there are folks who are the owners of capital, and there are folks who have to work in order to, uh, I should say, acquire capital, right? This is, the, this is the hope. This is the ultimate lie that they tell us. Well, what is capital? Well, capital ultimately is what you can get with capital. So can you or I working class people without working, can you or I afford food every day? Can we afford health care? Can we afford a home? Can we afford to own all of those things and somehow continuously be making more money on top of that? No, right? Well, that is what having capital is because ultimately what capital is, it is money of some form, it is a form of value, which is therein used to produce more value. That's capital, right? So guess what? That means you and I are capital. We are a certain form of money, 1250 in New York State an hour, 725 an hour federally. That is the money, right? And then that money, us, the form of value, is used to produce more money, to produce profit. The capitalist pays a certain amount for you or whomever to work for a whatever the decided upon wage and the decided upon time was for whatever the agreed upon amount is. That's oftentimes debated and uh, decided by the ruling class, the capitalists and the government, not the workers themselves or the people. And this wage, then, is a certain investment of sorts. They put in some money to get out more money because they expect by paying you or I $100 a day, we are going to earn them more than $100. Our labor force how we work to earn money, that is capital. And it can be purchased like any other commodity. And then that is because in a capitalist system, under the private ownership of the means of production, there is a necessity for those of us who do not own capital, of which you are one, Those of us who do not own capital, right, we have to become the capital in order to be able to eat. The only way we eat is by working. Capitalism. Welcome to it. So, back to fascism. Fascism is, according to some, capitalism in decay. So, capitalism is not just like everything else, static. It is constantly progressing. It changes. In the beginning stages of capitalism, what we might call mercantilism or small stage production, you have things like merchants who might own a boat, which then somehow or another they can work to earn money to then have things to display to make more money on to buy other things. You have the individual artisans, you have the individual producers, you know, um, who are able to, 
at their home or at a place uh, like a shop. They are able to make a pair of shoes, uh, build a barrel, make a chair, build a house, right? They themselves own or are able to go purchase whatever it is they need for the job. They are able to do the job themselves and then they themselves sell that whatever for the price that is agreed upon between themselves and the buyer, but ultimately they, the producer, are also the seller and also the owner. And therefore, they are the sole proprietor, the sole profiteer of that transaction. Well, then you have small manufacturers, which are small groups of individuals who come together to produce more things at one time. Uh, This is important. This is, uh, I should say, this is an important change because you see the remolding of capitalism. No longer can each individual person be making the same amount of profit because now you got fucking in your town, you got 45 people making chairs. Well, you're not going to be able to each one of you make the same quality chair, make as many chairs at one time, have as much money to make chairs in the first place, or be able to pay others to help you make chairs. So sooner than later, um, you have individuals or groups of individuals who begin making the majority of the profits for whatever reason, usually because they already started with more money uh, or more capital, I should say, properly than others. So then you have the concentration of capital, meaning in a group of 15 artisans, you have one owner of the manufacturer that owner is profiting off of the work of the employed laborers, the other 14 artisans, and that profit is not being equally distributed between the owner and the 14 workers because, well, according to the owner, he has so many more bills. And ultimately, that's why they need to take more money from us, guys, because They have more bills than we do. But here's the cool thing, is they also have a shit ton more money than we do. And you want to know why? A little known thing which is called in two different forms, surplus labor and surplus value. Surplus labor creates surplus value. Might not be 100% a proper analysis, but it works for the sake of conception. So... Surplus labor is, right, you work at a factory, you get paid $100. That factory makes t-shirts. Each t-shirt you make is worth $5. So, foreseeably, you make 20 t-shirts. You just work a day's wage, right? So you're done. But if that takes you four and a half hours, well, your employer paid you $100 for eight hours of labor. You we're told this is what you are going to get paid for 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours of work, $100. So if in the first four and a half hours, you make 20 t-shirts, and of course, as we know, 20 times five, right? Excuse me, that's 200. I'm very stupid. Wait, what the hell am I doing right now? That is 100. Holy shit. (laughs) i'm so broken hold on okay um yeah so five times 20 100 we know math of course we do um so four and a half hours boom you made your 20 t-shirts you're going to clock out well the boss is saying well hey wait a minute i got you on the schedule from 10 to 7 it's 2 30 where are you going well my friend i you know I got paid $100, so where I'm going to get paid $100. That's another nice little thing they slip in there, but I don't know enough to talk about that. So, anywho, you say, hey, buddy, well, listen, I get it. You know, I'd love to stick around. I really would. But here's the deal I did what you paid me for. So, I'm going to go ahead and leave. And he says, well, okay, well, don't bother coming back because you're fired. Well, what? How could I be fired? Well, you're walking out early. 
well, yeah, I did what I, I did what I got paid to do, right? This is the situation that we find ourselves in as workers. You don't get to leave when you're, you know, I, I can at my job where I sell, you know, I work at a head shop basically. We sell cigarettes and lotto and shit, but whatever. I get paid about a hundred and fifty dollars a day. So I can go actually look at our computer during the day and see how much money we have made. And it says right in there how much of it is factored into like what was sold because when I scan an item it pulls up say, you know, four dollars the price that we paid for it from the manufacturer, and then sixteen ninety nine what we're selling it for. It has that factored in. So the difference between what is actually profit and how much money we've technically made. In less than 30 minutes, that would have hit $150. I don't get to fucking leave. I don't get to leave at all. If I did, I probably would get fired because usually I'm there alone from 9 until 1 o'clock. So the thing that really, really sucks is the fact that here you see the process of surplus value. So because you don't get to leave at four and a half hours and I don't get to leave at 30 minutes, we are going to continue working. If you made 20 shirts in four and a half hours and three and a half hours, one could figure you'd make about 15. So now you just made 35 t-shirts for your boss, right? And if you made 35 t-shirts, well, that means that you made approximately, let's get the calculator out here, 35 times 5. You made $175 worth of t-shirts. Your boss is not going to get you $175 when your paycheck comes up for that day. It's going to pay you $100 because y'all agreed on a certain wage. You took the job. And when I say y'all agreed, what I mean obviously is when he told you or they told you what the wage was going to be, what hours you were going to work, you were desperate enough to say yes. That is ultimately what we know as voluntary participation in the free market system from a worker's perspective. You did this because you were desperate enough to say yes. Welcome to, uh, you know, welcome to capitalism. But anywho, back to fascism. So capitalism and decay. Well, what is that? You got capitalism that, you know, progresses into new forms over time. From the small manufacturers, you have large factories. From the large factories, you have all kinds of different things until you get to imperialism. And from the initial stages of imperialism, you have today, which is, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Okay. We are in what one might call late-stage capitalism. The best way to understand that is the contradiction, right? the difference between wealth and poverty are so extreme that they are almost undeniable. And in this capitalist economy, there are so very few people who actually truly own the means of production, like own it, have more than 51% stock share in it, right? Those Few people are so incredibly and disgustingly wealthy that there is absolutely no way to deny that this system is rotten to its core. That is late-stage capitalism, when the shit should be undeniable. So capitalism in decay is fascism. Capitalism decaying is ultimately when the decorum or the theater, like what we were talking about earlier, is no longer there. The faux pas of the free market system, nobody's believing it. The idea that you can work your ass off and pull yourself up by your bootstraps in order to make enough to set yourself you know, above and beyond the others, that shit doesn't fly. Most of us don't even believe that a college degree is worthless and none of us expect to make more than minimum wage. Late stage capitalism. So, in this period of time, we have capitalism in decay because, you know, so much is unable to uphold itself because 
well, A, we can't afford to buy it to keep businesses or, you know, certain modes of production in power. And we also, because of that, are getting increasingly poorer and poorer, more exploited and more exploited. We are slowly but surely filing into the ranks of the proletariat. But here's the thing. The working class is only the working class so far as it is united. Fascism is an attempt to divide the working class, right? In both Italian and German versions of fascism, there was huge attempts at uh, kind of racial or ethnic cleansing. There was huge attempts at eradicating or fighting against the poor and blaming them for the woes and issues of the country. You have a attempt by the populist leaders to fan the flame of revolution. But the difference between a fascist uh, uprising or a fascist, quote-unquote, revolution, if there ever was such a thing, versus a socialist revolution, or a Marxist proletarian revolution, is that fascism is not the same as socialism. Socialism is a system wherein the the means of production are owned by the masses themselves through the establishment of what we call a dictatorship of the proletariat. Now, if you want to learn about the dictatorship of the proletariat, you can listen to my episode before that or look up people who are way smarter than me. Um, But if you don't want to do that, you can go to the episode before this. So you have, right, under socialism, a socialized appropriation of profit. Whereas under a capitalist system, you have a private one, remember? Well, under fascism, there is no appropriation by the working class of the means of production. It is still 100% a capitalist system. Therein lies the central difference between something like a fascist revolution and something like a socialist revolution. Of course, there's plenty of other differences I could get into, but this is one of the main things that we want to pay attention to when we get told this is socialism, this is cap or this is communism, this is Marxism. We got to know what these words mean. We got to know what their foundational laws and principles are. We have to understand them from not some propagandized, one-sided, blind version, but through true investigation and analysis. Fascism is a system which is going to try to capitalize on the leftist or socialist rhetoric in a period of late-stage capitalism as an attempt to try to... Sorry, as an attempt to try to give the angry masses, to give the oppressed people a hope or a belief that the things that which they have been asking for will be accomplished. And, you know, these populist parties or individuals or groups or whatever, or ideas even, will be the ones to get them there. That's what's going to get them what they need, what they want. But we know based off of history, this isn't true. We know that these are lies which are told to the working class in order to take advantage of them. But if we do not know this well enough to explain it to others, then we fall prey to allowing this to happen here even more than it already has within the United States, within the West. Now, I think a lot of us, including myself, have described the United States as fascist at one more time. Uh, one time or another, I should say. Um, and uh, I, I would still agree that this is a correct analysis, but you know, here we kind of get into the difference between saying that a state 
uh, is fascist um, in, in a period where that could be argued about um, or would be argued about. And, and you kind of run into the issues that many of the German socialists and true Marxists at the time of the rise and also Italian, I should say, uh, of the during the time of the rise of fascism in both those countries, such as Antonio Gramsci, such as Clara Zetkin, um, they were trying to make people aware of this. However, uh, for whatever reason, the people were not listening. So this is kind of a a very terrifying thought because what this means is all the different groups who are working towards such racist, xenophobic, transphobic, anti-immigrant, pro-capitalism uh, ends, all of these different groups of people who are working to see these different oppressive and uh, dictatorial um, kind of abuse and exploitation of the working class, this utter attempt to destroy any semblance of worker unity, of proletarian unity, of unity among the masses for the goal of helping everyone included in the masses. This is an issue, some you know, something that we are going to deal with today and we are dealing with right now. So if this is the case, we have to arm ourselves with understandings of fascism. We have to arm ourselves literally because as we know, the military, the police, um, the state in general, they are not going to give up their weapons. They're not going to give up their guns and shit like that just because they want to fight fair. So don't listen to the motherfuckers who tell you that we got to have you know, a peaceful transition into socialism. Don't listen to the motherfuckers who tell you that you know, we got to disarm. Don't listen to the motherfuckers that tell you this shit because under no pretext, Marx told us this a long time ago, should you ever, ever in a revolutionary moment against an oppressive ruling regime, disarm. Because, and this is the best way to discuss gun violence or, you know, kind of gun laws in the United States, or anywhere really. As soon as the military and the police uh, disarm, so will I. Because um, that's just, you know, that's self-defense. That's what the Black Panther Party was all about initially. That's what many groups uh, in many different uh, regions of oppression, you know, a lot of different agrarian revolutions start in this way. We also need to arm ourselves with the masses. We have to make connections with people themselves. We can't just be listening to my podcast or this YouTube channel or talking to these three individuals online. We have to get out into the streets, right? That means going to events. That means going to cultural and religious uh, events. That means going and speaking at public forums. That means going and listening at school board meetings. That means going where the people are. And if that means walking door to door and introducing yourself to the neighbors, well, then that's what you got to do. Because fascism is also an ideology. We are fighting an ideological battle against fascism. Innocent people become fascists because of a misunderstanding of what fascism is and therefore a willingness to capitulate to fascist ideals. It's ultimately the people who know the principles and laws and foundations of an idea such as fascism, such as socialism, such as Marxism, who will naturally, naturally be the leaders of movements who fall under these categories. Obviously, because these are the people who know and therefore will be making an attempt to guide and instruct and educate the people who are in belief of the ideas that these individuals who understand these ideas are perpetuating. I hope that made sense. Basically, it's not just because every single person in Germany was a racist piece of shit, but it's because they were poor. They were hungry. They needed someone to hate. And they needed someone to hope in, have hope in. This, in both Italy, in Germany, 
in the United States, England, France, Poland, Russia, all the countries of the world, this is a possibility. Right now, people are hungry. Right now, people are jobless. Right now, people are houseless. Right now, people have a bunch of different groups to hate, and they're doing it relentlessly. What the left needs to show is that we need solidarity. We need a united front against capitalism and against imperialism. We need a united front against fascism and the ideas that it perpetuates. We need to combat these things ideologically. We need to combat them politically. We need to combat them militarily. And we need to win. And the only way to win is to organize. And the only way to organize is to start with learning yourself, bringing that knowledge to others, them believing in you, you believing in them, you folks believing in the ideas and pushing those ideas forward, and the the movement continues, right? But we also should remember as Marxists that it is not our job to be evangelicals. It is our job to educate, but not to jam down the throat of people, socialism and communism. Again, go to where the people are at. That doesn't mean go to the fucking Proud Boys rallies. You got to figure here, who's the people, right? The people, obviously, if we're talking about defeating capitalism and defeating imperialism, would be anyone who's anti-capitalist and anyone who's anti-imperialist. These are the people. So uh, a white supremacist who has a picture of Elon Musk as his background on his phone, probably not going to be considered the people, right? So then don't go to those things. Go to places where oppressed people are because oppressed people know the usefulness and the necessity for things like socialism, communism, and Marxism when shown that the people who are talking about those ideas mean business. Don't show up with the Red Book and try to pretend like you're a part of the Black Panther Party. Don't show up and think that you're going to be Lenin standing on the podium yelling to all the workers. Show up with as many hands as you physically have currently and say, I'm here to humbly and in solidarity help however I can. And then that's where you start. That's where I'm trying to start right now. I am also on my organizing journey. I'm very new to it. So we're going to learn together. But this is my best analysis currently of fascism, generally. And I hope it was a useful uh, description. I hope it was a useful conversation. I hope you learned something. Please go ahead and check out all those resources I referenced at the top of the show, um, as well as, you know, hit me up for any more resources you might like. If you want to hit me up, you can find me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com, no caps or spaces. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Indefensive Liberation. And you can also find my blog at For Liberation, again, no caps, no spaces, dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash website. You can reach out to me in any of those places. The best place to reach out would probably be either Instagram, Facebook, or email. Um, If you wouldn't mind, uh, something that would help me a lot to get more listeners, to get uh, more uh, kind of views, right? More showing up on people's like, you might also like suggested box. If you use Apple Podcasts, if you could please go on Apple Podcasts and rate me five stars because unfortunately and i promise you i'm not just fishing for compliments uh five stars the only thing that will put me forward in the algorithm and a comment has to go with it in order to really do what we're trying to do here so you can comment anything you can be insulting you can leave uh on mark's madness nathan sometimes i don't know if they ever initially asked or if it just happened and then they thought it was funny but they have recipes people comment recipes um, fucking say whatever you want. I just want more people to listen to this. I want to meet new people. I want to learn from new people. I want to be critiqued. I want to be wrong. I want to be learn learning from my uh, incorrectness. And ultimately, I want to grow. That's what we're doing this show for. That's what we're struggling for. 
it's where we're building socialism for and revolution for is to grow. So thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. It means the world to me that anybody listens to this whatsoever. Um, Please reach out uh, if you want to tell me people that I should have on the show or, you know, something that you think is cool and you just want someone to know, maybe like something about socialist history or some cool bug that you know about. Like, shit, man, you can reach out. Um, I'm a homie, like for real, like, if you want to just reach out and be like, listen, I like socialism and communism and I have no one to talk to about it. Fucking be like, hit me up and we'll, we'll start texting. I guarantee it. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever time it is for you. Stay safe, stay revolutionary and stay around because we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Bye.